Masonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moyer calling with my critique on episode 74. Really can't say anything negative about the entire episode other than Pete. It's Michael Karpovage. Say that three times real fast. Kind of made an idiot out of yourself. Anyway, I was thinking, well, I normally pick on Larry. Really nothing on this episode to uh, pick on, but I thought I'd bring up, this morning I was at the Goose and Gridiron breakfast. It is almost the end of June, so at this time Larry Maris has moved in to his new house, and I know he's still unpacking boxes, but the last three Thursdays, he always shows up last. He looks like the Weebles wobbles, but they don't fall down when he's walking in the doorway. But for the last three Thursdays, he's had one of these t-shirts on where the the neck, you know, it's, it's so old. The ne- there is no neck anymore. There's armpit stains, and then he's got wet marks underneath the man boobs. And then he comes in, and he tries to be real coy with the waitress and make silly talk with her, which is not working, Larry. So get some new t-shirts, get them starched, show up on time, and st- stop trying to be cutesy with the waitress on Thursday mornings. The, t- the T-shirts got to go, or we're just going to ban you from coming into breakfast. Also, I need to get caught up. I have three more episodes, 75, 76, and 77. After this morning's breakfast, I need to get to 77. You guys uh, trashed my character by changing uh, my voice, whatever, and I've been in contact with my attorney, and happy days are soon coming here again because I'm going to get a lot of money from a Sonic Light podcast. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit Store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Good day, everybody. It's uh, Masonic Light Podcast, episode 78. Good day to you all. 78. It's brought to you by uh, Bacon Neck T-shirts and <laughs> Larry Maris. <laughs> hey, everybody. Our special guest tonight is going to be um, Teddy Theodore Wallace from, well, you're not after that. We are, what is your home lodge? New London 545. New London 545 in Southern Chester County, Pennsylvania. And um, anyway, so Teddy, what we kind of do, uh, so if everybody with a name like Teddy... He's an expert on Teddy Roosevelt. He just couldn't help himself. So, um, But, Teddy, what we're going to do is we go around, we just do a big re- quick recap of what we have been up to the past couple weeks, and then we'll come back, and uh, we're going to let Larry interview you. And then when he screws up, Jack usually takes over. So, Larry, well, Larry, what have you been up to the past two weeks? Uh, the uh, grotto picnic at uh, Dave Steffi's farm. Which, incidentally, was fantastic, absolutely fantastic. 
And I'm going to give a shout out to Steffi because I think he's been doing this for a number of years. Yes. And I've had the best chicken wings I think I've had in about 25 years. I had the best sausage, the best cigars, the best beer, and the best fun with a bunch of guys. And it, it was a, a spectacular Saturday. It really was. So I'm going to give a shout out to Grotto. Again, Monarch Jack for staging and doing one terrific job this year. The only thing I had to do with this picnic was the horseshoes. That's okay. That worked. <laughs> and they were spectacular. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's the only thing I've been involved in. Sorry. Josh, what have you been up to? Anything? Uh, I went to the Tall Cedars picnic at your house. And that's that's about it. That's right. I forgot. I was there, too. Oh, yeah. Larry was there. And the dogs didn't hurt either of you, right? No, no. Absolutely no. not. No. They were looking for me, though. They were they were, they were were excited about you and Chris Gibson, and they missed you both. <laughs> Jack, um, I don't know how much masonry is involved. I guess there actually was in Germany, but you've been missing in action. So can you recap our listeners where you've been since you were last in studio with us? Uh, I was trying to look at my calendar to see when the last time I was actually physically here, and I, I think it was I think I missed two recordings. I'm not sure, but yeah, I, I had a, a business trip to Germany. We had a trade show in uh, Hanover, and we stayed in a house about 30 minutes outside of the town. And whenever I travel, especially internationally, I always um, go on the interwebs and find out where there's a um, a recognized lodge in the area and there happened to be one that was an english-speaking lodge it was actually an english-speaking grand lodge under the jurisdiction of the grand lodge of germany um, it's a throwback to the division of germany after world war ii um, and there were a lot of english service people in the area so they formed their own sort of mini grand lodge and got recognition from the grand lodge of germany so it was, uh, it was all in English. It was really cool. I went just hoping to get a meeting in, and it was there, what we call amateur night here, where all the officers were in their new chairs for the first time. So the Worshipful Master ran them through all three openings and closings, because they're all three different over there the, for the different degrees. So I went for one meeting, and I ended up with four, uh, and... <laughs> And uh, a festive board afterward, which was very cool. Um, lots of fun, lots of booze and food, because apparently there are adults there, and they're allowed to have uh, alcohol with dinner, so that's a cool thing. But it was a really neat old building. It was built in the early 1800s. There's a, it's an old half-timbered structure. With a, there's a canal running alongside of it. It's just, just beautiful, typical old German sort of feel to it and uh it was a lot of fun and the guys treated me great so thank you to the members of saxony lodge if you hear this um i appreciate you and if you ever for whatever reason happen to be in pennsylvania uh look us up we're we're, we're happy to have you and other than that we had grotto uh, the the picnic and uh, trying to think if there was anything else that really came up but uh, no steffi did a great job we're uh he uh he always does a good job. The, chi- the the chicken wings were so good, we actually ate most of them before the sauce came out. Yeah. So true. we're putting chicken wing sauce on everything but the chicken wings because the chicken <laughs> wings were already gone, but they were good. So, yeah, I've uh, I've missed this. I did some mentoring last night with a couple of candidates that were, are coming through the line. And other than that, it's uh, just being me. For any Grotto listeners, Ubar Grotto listeners, by the way, I left my hat over to Steffi Farm. I did get a hold of Dave. And he said I wasn't there. So it was a straw hat 
with rainbow-colored headband. If anybody, oh, we sees remember it. the hat. Yeah, right? remember that. you look like um, Colonel Kurtz at the end of uh, Apocalypse Now when you came rolling in with your. <laughs> I just kept thinking: the further, the deeper that we get upstream in Elizabethtown, the crazier things are getting, like Heart of Darkness, and it's pretty disturbing. So I left my hat, I, and Dave said he didn't see it, so somebody must have picked it up to give it to me. Maybe but... the one we all defecated in before we left. Oh, I don't geez. know for sure. But... Tim, what have you been up to? Well, I survived the uh, trip to Williamsport. Um, had a great time. Um, we had intended to uh, have our last episode uh, uh, from there. Um, and because of, te- we'll call it technical difficulties. Yes, um, blood alcohol limit beyond our control. There you go. We were overserved. We were definitely overserved. And uh, so we just, it would not have been a good show. Right. It would not have been. Uh, which, speaking of alcohol, back to Jack's point, most Grand Lodges outside of the United States allow alcohol. Um, and so that's something not unusual when you go abroad um, to, a, to a lodge meeting is to have a festive board or something with uh, alcohol before and or after. So Maybe someday. Maybe someday. But we had fun. We, you know, the, like, we, I, we mentioned it on the show, but yeah. the... Um, the brothers up in Williamsport were very hospitable. Absolutely. Um, and I really don't think we paid for a drink. I think... Um, they would not take our money. Yeah. I mean, granted, like, a Crown Royal on the That's Rocks... pretty was, rare in Williamsport A in Crown general. Royal on the Rocks was like $1.75. <laughs> right. It's not like they really went out of their way, but... Right. No. <laughs> the, so the other thing, again, uh, uh, you all have mentioned the Grotto Picnic, which was uh, outstanding. Um Jack uh, initiated the Hillbilly Horseshoes, uh, which were a big hit. Um, and what he didn't tell you was that although he avoided the dogs at Pete's house, he did not avoid the dogs at uh, Steffi's ranch. They came out and greeted him, and Jack turned a whiter shade of pale. Yeah, I think it was. I, he did <laughs> not like my sunglasses. I'm just going to put it. It was that supposed to be a German Shepherd, but it was more like a dire wolf. This yes, was like a 200 exactly. pound German Shepherd. <laughs> it was bigger, it was wider across than me. That I, yeah. <laughs> But we had a great time, and uh, if it, it was a it was an open meeting, we had some new folks coming in and got to what do, install. What do, what do we do? Uh, he was obligated. Obligated. Thank you. We obligated a new person, and uh, with the potential of another guy, um, we had um, we were graced by uh, our armed security guard yes. uh, J.P. March, who showed up. He didn't take the obligation. Had him on both hips. But he did wander. He So he wandered outside so mm-hmm. he could not hear our secret work. And then he wandered back in. Yeah. But a great time was had by yeah. him. Teddy, so, um, so you're you're in the, just like us, you're in everything Masonic and all kinds of weird places. Um, what have you been up to? Anything Masonic? Eh, a little bit. Uh, of course, last Monday night, not just this past, but we had our past master's night at the lodge. So we, of course, like most lodges, we honor our past masters, both living and passed through the West Gate. And then uh, had the John Gay Banquet because uh, I'm part of the Cheshire County Consistory Club, uh, past president. Notice I emphasize the word past. And uh, so we had that uh, last Thursday, and I've been doing the hot gratis. I'm finally on level two. And uh, so we're working slowly on that. Other than that, personally, I uh, did the Pennsylvania, tra- Pennsylvania State Trap Shoot in Ellisburg uh, two weeks, two, two Saturdays ago. Matter of fact, I think it's when you had your picnic. But uh, so I was kind of tied up. Didn't shoot very well, but I had a good time. 
So they have internet in Oxford now? Uh, no, actually, I have DSL, so we don't okay. have the we don't have the internet. Uh, my my, <laughs> the my, my, my <laughs> Al Gore hasn't been to my house yet. Uh, so we have uh, uh, my my cell phone's faster than my uh, <laughs> my uh, regular connection. Wow, yeah, I I remember that when I lived in the uh, in the city and I could only get was Lancaster, I could only get DSL. Um, what have I been up to? I tall cedar picnic at my house. Uh, the grotto trip up to Williamsport. We had a council meeting the other night, uh, which was uh, it was really nice. I got some nice feedback. Uh, I am admittedly not an expert in the York Rite. Um, I I was asked and I stepped up and I jumped in line, and it makes me feel really awkward that I feel like I don't know enough. So um, what I did was. We kind of like went through the whole select master mason degree and kind of explained it and discussed it. Um, little Q and A of like, hey, why is this? You know, why is this our special knock? You know, well, you know, hey, well, because it has it refers back into the story of this part. And um, you know, why do we give this sign? Well, that refers to this part of the degree because it's never really explained to you well. Chapter is doing the same thing. Yeah. We we're. We're limiting the number of nights we have degree work, and then we're going to break them down. And so that's a great thing. Yeah. So we got some. Hey, Larry. Um, you want to join us here? Stop watching adult videos. <laughs> These kids in their phones. No, no, no. I recorded us at the table talking, and I tried to get it on Facebook, and it didn't work out real well. So, Larry, you're no more multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. No, Fa- no, Facebook no more Live, fa- Larry. No more fake book. Right. You stumbled into a meeting with the grandmaster. Yeah, um, yeah. I just said hi. Well, no, I just said hi briefly. Um, yeah, the grandmaster was the right worshipful grandmaster was in the Valley of Harrisburg um, for a a brother whose mother has had recently passed. So, um, yeah, John Cook let me know that was the reason he was there is for a funeral. So I did not harass anyone. I Larry. So you should take these tips from me. <laughs> Just look at these social cues. This was not an occasion to stick a microphone in anybody's face, and we just, you know, acted mature about it. And, and you didn't ask for your dues card, so. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we are going to come back, and we're going to talk to Brother Ted Wallace um, about his favorite president, Brother Teddy Roosevelt. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com.
welcome back. Uh, tonight, our special guest is the 26th president of the United States, Teddy Roosevelt. And it's an honor to have you here, sir, because uh, we think you were a great Republican, a good president, a very good president, I think an outstanding commissioner of the police department in New York City. So welcome, sir. Well, thank you very much. But I was more of a, of a progressive than I was a Republican. But, but back, back then, progressives, uh, Republicans had to be progressive because Democrats were yellow dog, crazy, you know, you know what I mean. Okay, go ahead. So things haven't changed. Yes, they haven't changed. Right. I guess. <laughs> well, well, let me put it to you this way. I wrote a speech uh, way back when, uh, and it, it goes like this. Uh, we should insist that if an immigrant who comes here does so in good faith— and does indeed become an American and assimilate himself to us. He shall be treated on the exact equality with everyone else, for it is an outrage to discriminate against any such man because of creed, birthplace, or origin. But this is predicated upon the man becoming, in very fact, an American, and nothing but an American. If he tries to keep segregated with men of his own origin and separate from the rest of America, then he isn't doing his part as an American. There can be no divided allegiance here. We have room for but one language here, and that is the English language. For we intend to see that the crucible turn out our people as Americans of American nationality and not as dwellers of the polyglot boarding house, and we have room for one sole loyalty, and that is the loyalty to the American people. Well, he brought that New York stuff with a polyglot, polyglot boarding house. He really took New York seriously, didn't he? So, President Roosevelt, I'm pretty sure every president after you just ignored that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they all said it and then ignored it. Okay. So, yeah, One of the things that, that I find interesting in, in this fact that, and we really want to kind of dwell on that tonight, is you were a very active master mason. What lodge did uh, were you raised in? Uh, November 1900 in Matinecock Lodge at Oyster Bay, New York. Oyster Bay, cool, cool. And did you go through any chairs, or tell me about tell me about your Masonic experience? Uh, most of my Masonic experience is just visiting other lodges and being fairly active. Uh, I didn't go through any of the chairs. I just didn't have time. I was vice president of the United States when I was entered. Oh, okay. And did you did you become a master mason while you were still vice president? Uh, January 1st of 2001 is when I got my... 2001? 2001. 2001. Wow. 2000. He is schizophrenic. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Told you. It's that time machine again. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't read my own writing. Uh, 1901, uh, March 4th of 1901... Uh, three weeks after being inaugurated as vice president is when I took my examination. Uh, similar to some of the other states, they do a catechism. So, um, and then April 4th of 1901 is when I got that catechism. So it was a little bit later, and I was already vice president before I was master mate. I was vice president when I was raised to the sublime degree. You said Oyster Bay. Weren't the other Roosevelts from the Oyster Bay area as well? Uh, we were from New York. That's the best answer I can give you. <laughs> well, you you did get along with the other Roosevelt, correct? Didn't have much dealings with my the cousins. Or cousin, like yeah, cousin, yeah, yeah. Your cousin Eleanor, right? Well, both 
Eleanor and Franklin, FDR right. were both cousins. Yeah, yeah you you could you could marry your cousin. There back you go. Then. Back then, yeah, <laughs> you still do that in some parts. It's kind of so, like President Stoltzfus here in Lancaster. Yeah. So so give us some more detail on your Masonic experience. Well, I I can go through with some of uh, when I was raised and some of the people that were there that I do have. Okay. Uh, April 4th of 1901, we had Right Worshipful Edward M.L. Ellers, the Grand Secretary, and Right Worshipful Frank B. Hoff, the District Deputy Grand Master of the First District. Right Worshipful Theodore A. Taylor, the Grand Treasurer, Most Worshipful John Stewart, past Grand Master, Most Worshipful William A. Brody, past Grand Master. Most Worshipful John W. Vrooman, past Grand Master, and the Most Worshipful Grand Master of New York, Charles W. Meade, Right Worshipful George R. Van DeWater. <laughs> Nothing but professional here. I, I, I noticed that. <laughs> DeWater, he was the Grand Chaplain, and Most Worshipful Wright D. Ponell, past Grand Master, all the Grand Line Officers, the Grand Masters of Connecticut, and seven other past Grand Masters in attendance, and when I uh, was entered, there were over 500 Master Masons in attendance Is that for right? that affair. And they were all there for when he was raised? Yes. Uh, matter of fact, the stairwell leading up to the lodge room uh, was so packed with people that they literally had to hoist my very stout body up over their heads to get me into the lodge room. Were you that important? Uh, he was uh, vice president of the United States. Oh, vice president. But come on. Wait a minute. Does this thing work? <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I, you think vice presidents are just disposable, but uh, how, you were vice president for like a week and a half before you got uh, promoted. He was literally a heartbeat away from the president's rank. <laughs> that I was. Um, when McKinley was shot, um, I was uh, in New York over in Buffalo, and uh, they notified me and brought me in on a train. And before I even got out of the state of New York, they uh, advised me and swore me in as president. The 26th, youngest president of the United States to this day. Wow. And you, uh, you accomplished quite a lot um, in, your, uh, in your, your time there. Um, national parks, that's probably, it's probably what you're most well known for. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. The, well, actually, the thing I'm most known for is the teddy bear. Uh, which ended up being uh, part of the – it was the symbol or the mascot for the, my re-election bid uh, when I did the first re-election, before the Bull Moose Party. That was Larry's first year in voting, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it's weird because I, I kind of would have expected a president from New York to sound slightly different than you. Um, but I do think I've got some members of my lodge that maybe were at your inauguration. <laughs> so I'd have to ask them. What's got the better chance of getting a... <laughs> back to speaking English, right? So um, we have to get back in our, our way back machine time for one second here and channel uh, Mr. Wallace. So, Teddy, uh, when did you become interested in Teddy Roosevelt? When did you start... Because you... You, you're kind of losing it on the uh, on the audio here, but Ted does an amazing reenactment, um, full dress. He'll show up in your lodge and do a, you know a great talk on Teddy Roosevelt. So when did you first become? Believe it or not, it wasn't till about 
eight or nine years ago when people go, you look familiar to me. And they're, I'm like, what are you talking about? I've never met you before in my life. And they're like, I know you look like somebody. And they said, Teddy Roosevelt, you look just like Teddy Roosevelt. And when I let my mustache grow out a little bit and let the hair grow, because it's, it's summertime, I shorten it up a little bit. Um, they're like, yep, you're Teddy Roosevelt. So I actually, when I retired from my other my original job, I uh, actually went out and spent the money, bought uh, bought a, an actual um, Spanish American. I'm sorry, yeah, Spanish American War uh, outfit. His Rough Rider outfit did the whole nine yards. The green coats. Um, found a hat. Now I, a little while ago, you flipped the hat up a little bit. Do you know why they flipped their hat up like that? Oh, no. To get better reception? No, it was <laughs> it was actually so the rifle didn't knock their hat off. Oh, okay. That's why it was folded up on one side so when they carried the rifle, it didn't knock it off. But uh, since Teddy was a uh, was a Navy guy, kind of familiar, I was a Navy guy too, but um, when he went into battle, everyone says, why did you carry your sword? And it was a beautiful sword because it actually had uh, shark skin as a handle. Well, he never carried it because he said, I keep tripping over the damn thing. So it's it's kind of like being the person in the lodge, you know. How many times you see them when they walk out to close the outer door, they trip over their sword? Every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how many times have you given a talk um, as Teddy? Probably, probably about a dozen or so so far. Uh, I mean, I, have, I tell people that I can do it, but... Oh, yeah, I'll get you in, I'll get you in. And then by the time um, that actually comes around, either they get somebody else or because I have to know about three months ahead of time so I can get off of work. Uh, I did do the, I am certified by the Grand Lodge. I am one of the certified speakers. So that information is available there. Very cool. So if anybody here wants to have uh, President Teddy Roosevelt at their lodge, uh, you could reach out to Brother Ted. yeah, he could, yeah, through the website, through the Masonic Light Podcast website, we can put you in touch with Ted, and we'll post a picture of him also. So, and a, yeah, and in full regalia. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so tell us a little bit more about um, President Roosevelt and some of your your kind of your favorite things. Well, as I mentioned before, the Teddy the Teddy Bear was one of his most the thing he was known most for. But by the way, he hated to be called Teddy. He, when he was younger, he was called Teddy. T e d y, and uh, his his father used to call him that, and the only one that he actually would not gristle or make a big fuss about that was his uh, first wife, and that was Alice, and uh, that's one thing that if you look back in his life, he had a pretty hard life for a while. Uh, his mother and his wife died on February 14th, the same day, six hours apart, in the same house. So, you know, of course, he run off right after the little Alice was born. And then uh, he come back and married his childhood sweetheart. So uh, then they had five other kids together. Uh, Teddy was also, he was also known, TR is what he liked to be called. So TR liked to go swimming. He was very active in the outdoors. And that's because he was a sickly child when he was, he was younger. So 
but but he liked the skinny dip in the Potomac. And I, I don't know if you've been by the Potomac River, but he's a brave man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, the teddy bear, uh, you know, that all started when uh, he went on a on an excursion, and uh, everybody was like, "Oh yeah." President Roosevelt. So he he um, he told his guide that he wanted to kill a bear the first day because he had other things to do. Well, that didn't happen. So the next day they finally found and cornered a bear. And, of course, they used dogs and all that stuff. And uh, they cornered this bear in a swamp. Well, the bear started to kill the guide's dog. So the guide went over and whacked it over the head with his butt of his rifle. And uh, when... Uh, Teddy finally got, or TR finally got there. Of course, he comes across a horrific scene that Pete would, uh, he, he'd just lose his mind. There were dead dogs and all kinds of things laying all over the place and, and a bloody, sick, you know, looked like a drugged out bear tied to a tree. They tied it to a tree waiting on the president. So he gets there and he's like, I'm not shooting that. <laughs> uh, so then uh, they, uh, there was a cartoon drawn and ding, uh, driven by Clifford K. Berryman, and that was November 17th, and that was done in the Washington Post. And uh, this cartoon had Teddy in full, uh, or TR in his full regalia, and uh, refusing to shoot the bear. Well, a lot of people took this as a double entendre, as uh, he, you know, it was a drawing of the line in the 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 name of the cartoon was drawing the line in Mississippi, which was partially that it was his sportsman code that he didn't want to shoot a bear like that, and secondly that it had to do with uh, his criticism of the lynchings down in in uh, Mississippi. So, people in New York who was uh, Morris and Rose Mitchum saw this. Well, Rose threw some stuff together, and she made this bear and put it in uh, put it in her uh, store storefront because they owned a little penny penny candy store so a lot of people came into the to the store that day and wanted to buy that bear so as things went on they actually wrote to the White House which he changed the name of the executive mansion to the White House it was one of the other things that TR did and uh, they sent this letter and asked, and TR didn't think anything of it, and said, sure, you can call it whatever you want. So they called it Teddy's Bear. And as things went on, the Mitchums became rich off of this teddy bear. Of course, now everybody seems to make it, but, but that's all how, how it all started with the t- teddy bear. And uh, the, one of the original teddy bears is in the smithsonian institute down in uh, the presidential gallery at the national museum of american history and uh, of course now his last words that he spoke before he passed away from an embolism was uh james put out the light so when when we close here tonight we'll tell larry to put out the light (laughs) i think it's time to take a break all right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll uh, out in the mics. <laughs> we'll be right back. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster. 
all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market. And a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse. Or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. And uh, welcome back. And again, we're with our uh, guest tonight, Ted Wallace, uh, who is also a very active reenactor of President Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, one of the things we like to do, Ted, is we talk a little bit about your, uh, your participation in Freemasonry, which we talked a little bit about that, but also the jobs that our brothers hold are are interesting to find out what you do and how that relates to the craft and how you work the craft around that so tell us a little bit about what you do well i am a technician for tactical public safety out of west berlin new jersey uh, i maintain 911 communication systems from new york to norfolk and from atlantic city to uh, western maryland uh, I'm a retired assistant chief from Cecil County in Maryland, where I maintained their radio system for uh, 30 years. So I got into it, and I'm not one that likes to get into things in small pieces. Like when I joined the fire company when I was 20-something, uh, I was at it full bore. And then as I got older and got into other things and the fire department kind of went by the wayside a little bit, but um, I'm still involved in public safety. So I uh, have been since I got out of the Navy back in 86. And so I bet that's pretty much what Did I you did. do communications in the Navy as well? No, well, yes and no. I, I was a high-level technician at Patuxent River, Maryland, where I maintained uh, – uh, I was in Airedale, so I worked in uh, the AIMD, which is Aircraft Intermediate Maintenance Division. So I didn't do public safety, but I did electronics. Pax yeah. River it was one of the places I put on my wanted to serve duty at in, in, when I was in the Navy and never, ever got there. Bastard sent me over to Morocco instead. <laughs> Sorry about that. And we, I guess, Ted, you and I worked at the same place for this, but not at the same time. We both at some time worked for Chester County's uh yeah, well, Department I, of Emergency Services. Yeah, when I got out of the Navy, I was a dispatcher, for, or I'm sorry, telecommunicator. What was your uh, telecommunicator number? 42. I'm 167, so at least I'm I'm pretty close. They're up in the, like 9,000 numbers now, but uh, so you've uh, you 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 so you you've stuck with it. How do you work your Masonic schedule around? Your travel. It's tough. Uh, I drive 71 miles from my home to work. That's if I go to the office one way. Luckily, they provide the vehicle. But uh, 
you know, I, I do what I can. And, you know, I, I've gotten into some things where you just have to prioritize. So Blue Lodge is always first, then Scottish Rite because I'm high priest this year for the Valley of Reading for the Sovereign Prince line. And then then Tall Cedars where I help with a convention in Wildwood. Um, I, I don't get chance to didn't get a chance to make too many of the meetings there, so uh, I made a little change there, which Pete knows about. Uh, I'm also in the Shrine, uh, Raja Shrine, and I just got the. Um, well, I call it the Red Lodge. Was it? Uh, I got Mark Mason. Yeah, York Right. York Right. Yeah, Royal so, Arch. Royal Arch. So I, I got all that. Uh, just did it, and like you. I went through it all, but it's so much. It's like going through your first three degrees. Mm -hmm. And how many of you remember going through your first degree and you're like, well, that was pretty neat, but what did I just learn? Right. But like in the Blue Lodge, especially if you sit later as an officer, you see a thousand first degrees, a thousand <laughs> fellow craft. So even if you are, are a little slow in the head, you get it. Yeah. yeah. But, Repetition, but, yeah. But when you, you know, go through your... York right degrees like I did 21 years ago and then not seeing one again for 17 years. Yeah, it's it's it, tough. It, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed them. I, I remember, you know, watching them. It's just like going through um, the first degree I ever saw in Scottish Rite was the 20th degree. Of course, you know, you see your fourth. Uh, but the first one I ever saw was the 20th, and that was performed at Coatesville, Brandywine Goddard Lodge. And that, that was a hook. Because the guys from Reading came down, and it was like, no way. And, of course, now that I've gotten into the hot scribes, you get a chance to actually see, and you're like, um, oh, that wasn't real? I mean, and the way they did it, it, it just seems so real and authentic. But as you learn, you know, it was, a, it was based on factual participants, but it was a fictional story to show the Masonic – you know the you know the Masonic, and they did that right inside the Blue Lodge. Yes, it was awesome. Yeah, that's one of the things that, you know, for some of the larger valleys like Reading, I get it. You need to do it on the stage, mm -hmm. but you know, some of these smaller valleys, I, I just kind of wish they would do some of that degree in the in the Blue Lodge rooms. I just think it would be way more intimate. You know, and some some of the degrees are like that. I I think it would be so much nicer if you you know. Uh, like the 19th degree where the audience is supposed to be a participant, but, you know, we don't have any input, but, it, you know, be if it was up close and personal, I think it would be so much, you know. Very cool. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that fascinated me when you and I uh, work on the stage crew, I don't know what, for, I don't know. No, Larry. Teddy works on the stage crew. You just well, yeah, are there. I'm, I'm, I, the, I'm the mascot. I'm sorry. I, yeah. I used to work on the stage crew, but now I'm, Scott will tell you I'm probably off gallivanting and shaking hands, glad hand and all that <laughs> stuff. He's, you don't work, do any work anymore. But you, you were talking to me about the fact that you're doing a paper for Hot Scrawl yes. and a very extensive research paper on President Teddy Roosevelt, but his Masonic affiliation. And you're going back and looking at letters and going through documents that most people will never, ever see to get the kind of information that you can write a, a good thesis up on this. So you're doing a very extensive search. So uh, I would hope that when you do it and you submit the paper after it's approved, we get the chance to see it because you're going to be looking at things that a lot of people don't see. 
Are you going to be? Are you going up to the presidential library, or where are you going to get access? Well, a lot her for some Sonic stuff. I've I've getting ready to submit a letter. I've got it all typed up. I just got to go through the district deputy who goes through the secretary, and then they go through the secretary of New York and New York down to the lodge. You know, you got to you still have to. To get Masonic follow information, you still have to follow that protocol. Yeah, like we had Brother Yasser on the on the show a couple months ago, and you know I was asking him questions about all these famous world famous men that were Masons, and like, and I said, you know, we we don't really have that today. He goes, well, don't think like these guys that were famous people that were Masons really weren't that super active Masons, like. You know, I mean, some of the now Truman was mm-hmm. Truman, Truman was grandmaster, but um, you know, the majority of presidents that, and I guess Buchanan was too, because he didn't really focus on being president much. He just <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a very good president, but he's an okay grandmaster. Um, but yeah, most of the guys that are famous, really, they're almost like they're they want to be a Mason, but they just don't have the time to dues dues paying Masons yeah, card carriers, which we need too. We call them contributors, yeah, donors. Absolutely. And they, too, could be Patreons. They could. Absolutely, they could. For a dollar a month. A dollar a month. How easy is that? It's so easy. Segway. So are you, uh, are you ready to retire again soon, or you've got another... How God, much longer are you going to be working? God, I hope so. Uh, I don't know. I'll work till... Uh, here, here's my Patreon. Oh, very nice. Boom. Yeah, that's that's once oh, a month, Ted, by the way. I oh, know. That's yeah. one time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll sign you up for the dollar, Got so that'll it. give you 20 months. Yeah. We'll put a yellow sticky on the wall. Thank you very much. You're the dollar a month. You're the next dollar a month. That's cool. Thank you, Ted. You, you didn't know. need to do that, but thank you. Well, I did. Um, you know, that's what Masons do, right? Exactly. So if you want to come on the, if you want to come on our show and be a guest, and you want to throw money on the table, bam, we can make that happen. <laughs> and make you sound interesting. Yes. <laughs> well, I am looking forward to it when you publish that because I think it's going to be fantastic. Well, would you like to proofread it when I get it? I done? would love to. Okay. Absolutely, please. Yes. Um, yes. Ask Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Do, do I have to have exclusively pictures? <laughs> Are you going to have it printed in uh, like 36 font? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I will I will read the proof, but if you really want it proofed, I would have to ask Carol to do that because she's the editor and proofreader. Yeah. She's got what what is not the uh the Chicago something dictionary or something. I have that at home in the bookshelf. Well, yeah. wait, but but yeah. aren't you the editor in chief of the Cedar Knot? I am what's called the um what is my title? I guess, yeah, the Cedar Knot editor. Um, but yeah, I'm not a proofreader, but I'm in charge of what goes in there. Um, thank God for spell check. Is that what you're Spell check us? and thank God for Cliff Fromm fixing most of my errors as it gets to the printer. Uh, well, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to wrap up with uh, Brother Teddy and uh, do the news, hear from uh, Michelle Snyder and all kinds of other good stuff. Unlocking Symbols with Symbologist Michelle Snyder. Magic Wands Unlocked. Magic Wands are devices that we see in the hands of fairies and magicians to find their secret 
we will travel way, way back in time to a long-ago place where there was almost always winter. As we search for the root of the magic wand, we find ourselves in the Stone Age, at the time of great stone megalith observatories. For tens of thousands of years, astronomical patterns had been observed and related to natural events on Earth, seasons, floods, migration patterns, droughts, etc. Records were kept, marked on stone, bone, and ivory, and passed on through the generations. These records created agricultural and hunting calendrics, and later provided navigational information. Great stone structures were erected, and this information was inscribed on them. These observatories are found around the globe and form an intercontinental utility for indicating time and season and for measuring distance. Movement of the stars and planets was measured using poles. Swings of a pendulum were counted as a marker star moved from one pole to the next. These measurements were applied to the geometric blueprint being laid out on the ground with stakes and string, creating the fundamental design of the observatory. Enormous stones were quarried and dragged across miles of ice and put in place. Megaliths took generations to build. But what about the magic wands, you ask? A megalith started with a pole for measuring, a surveyor's tool. Other poles were set into the ground at specific distances, and geometric calculations were done to assure that the arrangement of the stones and their interaction with the stars, planets, sun, and moon would be accurate for the location. Megaliths are very large structures, some spread over great distances. To see the pole from yards and yards away, a reflective ball, likely made of polished obsidian, was attached to the top. It reflected the sun and could be seen from any direction at a great distance. But what about at night? An oil lamp or torch was attached to the top of the pole. Not everyone knew the secret of the heavens or how to use the tools to measure the patterns above. Only the most excellent minds could calculate the information necessary to construct an observatory. And so, over time, those who could became wizards, and the Asherah pole, with the shiny balls and fiery lamps atop, evolved into the magic wand we know today, sometimes with a star on top or energy discharging from its tip. For more pieces of your golden key, read Symbology Revision and visit my blog. Next time, we will uncover the real story of Rapunzel. If you'd like to take a deeper look, be sure to check out Michelle's book, Symbology Revision. A link for purchase can be found on the Freya Foundation website. That's freafoundation.net. While you're there, take a look at some of Michelle's other works and find out more about the Freya Foundation and its mission to research and publish the Ensman archives. Good news, everyone! Masonic Light News. News not fit to print. In Masonic News today, the offices of Demolay International announced today that despite the fact that he once appeared on the Masonic Light podcast, Pennsylvania Demolay and Masonic brother Tyler Moyer, yes, yet another Moyer, has been elected International Master Counselor of Demolay International International. Brother Moyer, 
is the first Pennsylvania DMLA to hold this esteemed office, and we know he will do us proud. Congratulations, Tyler. You may now officially add travel expenses to your FAFSA application forms. That's the Masonic news. So mote it was. <laughs> Congra- congratulations, yeah, that Tyler. Was actually congratulations, good. Yeah. Tyler. That was and it's good to have good. Walter back on the uh, news. Yeah, he's That's a um, he's a great kid. He was really, you know, he actually carried that show that we <laughs> that we had him on. <laughs> None of us know what the heck. None we're of doing. us. Yeah, really. All right. Well, uh, we want to thank our special guest uh, this evening, uh, Brother Ted Wallace, uh, coming here as uh, Brother Teddy Roosevelt. Are you thank still on sixty Minutes? By the way, is that a thing? Oh, different Wallace. Sorry, different Wallace. That's, that's <laughs> Mike Wallace. I think he retired. Got it. Marley Safer. Marley Safer. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're all gone. Maria Shriver. I think it's only one. <laughs> Skeletor. There you go. So. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. He man's adversary. Yes. Oh. <laughs> all right. So uh, let's talk about uh, what's coming up in the near future. Um, why don't we start with Jack? What do you got coming up? Lodge in the woods. Go on Eventbrite, buy your ticket, do it now. What's the date? Um, it is September 18th. Oh. It is a Wednesday. It is good food and great Masonic fellowship. I, I can tell you right now, this steak is going to be better than our Williamsport steak. That's That will not be hard That to, was a rubber uh, steak. Because this oh steak is made with actual gosh. cow. <laughs> Well, I think this one was too at one point, but uh, no, well, up anyway. there it's part wood. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> All right, uh, brother Ted, what have you got coming up uh, in the near future? Uh, a couple things. Um, well, first, uh, I got to give a shout out to little Mister Mark, who was uh, the ambassador for Tall Cedars. Did he uh, have the surgery today? He had a surgery today, and according to Glenn Henry on his Facebook post, uh, everything's went well and he's so told, told his mom that he's got this under control so uh for everybody that's not in the tall cedar world um mark was our ambassador two years ago and um you know great little kid and i guess having was it duchenne's or what kind of muscular i'm not sure which had, flavor had back surgery or something but he had i was getting his back fused or straightened something his spine straightened yeah yeah so i mean you know we're just you know, wishing him well. He's a great little kid. Yes, he is. He he was a blast. I call him Mr. Karaoke because when we were down there for the convention, he'd jump up there and he's not shy, buddy. He just he did let her belt. Um, also, I got the fifth district uh, school summer school of instruction at Thompson Lodge, which is uh, the, oh yeah, is that for the bad kids? Uh, that is, we, we got Larry Buzzard coming in. The is Mark so, yes. fingers? Yes. <laughs> so we and it's actually for the region. Uh, for the first region, so and then uh, I got a, f- uh, I got to run uh, the fifth, fifth district Masonic picnic, which is uh, August seventeenth. I believe it's a Saturday starting at noon. And uh, where does that take place? Oh, we we do that at Hibernia Park at Pavilion Number Four. So, uh, we it it poured last year because it was on a Sunday. But Can we crash? Absolutely. It's uh, Chester County Park, so I'm guessing no adult beverages. That we know. Oh, there's, a, oh, there's a long pause. So, yeah, okay. Everybody, you can't see the air quotes. No alcoholic beverages. <laughs> no here. alcoholic beverages. Um, so that, and then we got district visitation in September, but that, that's pretty much it. Uh, anything else with the 
Valley of Reading for not not really for the summer. Not really for the summer. I think we've got some picnics coming up, but uh, I'll let somebody else handle that. Larry, how about you? Uh, other than Goose and Gridiron, not really. Although I will say that we will have Goose and Gridiron on July the fourth. Uh, be a special kind of a celebration breakfast that we will be having. Uh, more to follow on uh, Freedom Fries. Mm. Uh, Freedom Fries, absolutely. Right. Yep, def- <laughs> definitely. But that's it. Really okay. slow summer. So it is a slow summer. All right, Pete. Let's see. In a couple weeks, I'll be uh, hosting my third of four. AMD meetings for uh, as sovereign master of Junto Council AMD. Ah, yes. Uh, we'll be branching out, going That's to this a Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. We'll be going a, uh, to a different restaurant. We're going to Harvest, um, in the shops at Belmont. Uh, you know, I just feel I, it's weird when I forget because you know, even though I'm 50 and I'm disabled, um, I'm way more spry than 90 percent of our members. <laughs> And we've been having a lot of meetings in the city, and it's just really hard for some of these guys to park and, and to get to some of these venues. So I just wanted to pick a place that had a you know, street-level parking lot and just, you know, so um, – and their food's really good, and they have a very excellent bar. Um, let's see. So that's coming up. Uh, it's summer for Tall Cedars, which means it is uh, picnic season. So we just had the one family picnic, family picnic at my house. Uh, in July, we're doing the Ladies' Night and the White Elephant Sale. I think there are horrible two things to combine. It just sounds inappropriate, but um, it's always a good time. And we give out our scholarship awards. We're giving out uh, four or $500 scholarships to uh, young people. Um, so that's kind of it. It's mandatory. That it has to occur on the hottest night of the week. Yes. Or month. But you can. Uh, the Grand Smoke is always there smoking a cigar at a table all by himself. So that's great. Josh, how about you? Uh, I don't have anything coming up before next show. So, okay. Yeah. Lambert, edit, edit like mad. Lamberton's yeah. not doing anything. Of course not. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I'll, I'll be doing stuff. I have uh, some committee of, of inquiries to, to schedule, but other than that, no. All right. Well, as uh, several of you mentioned, it is the summertime, and a lot of lodges are called off from labor. And exactly. Uh, on August the 3rd is the 3rd District uh, Picnic and uh, Barbecue Cook-Off. There's a competition that goes on there. Uh, you can go to the District 3 website, and if you're interested in uh, participating in that, uh, it's in Newville, Pennsylvania, at the lodge there. On um Jack mentioned on the 18th of September is Lodge in the Woods. On the 25th is the 3rd District uh, Low Vale. That's an annual event that we do this year. It is going to be um, at the Mason-Dixon Boy Scout Camp in Fort Littleton, Pennsylvania. And if you don't know where that is, uh, well, the chickens are coming quickly. Wow. So, wow. Is this like the Academy Awards now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even that, realize that, we were that far, and it was just that, that's kind of like to the hook. Lined up. Yeah, that's like okay. I gotta hurry up and get through this. Uh, Fort Littleton, Pennsylvania, is exit 180 off the Pennsylvania Turnpike uh, for easy access. So, uh, just to throw some dates out there, uh, and then of course for uh, everyone in Pennsylvania, don't forget Autumn Days on Saturday the 21st. Here, a quick trivia question: See how long Ted's been out of the Chester County Dispatch game? <laughs> what mile marker is the Peter J. Camille Service Plaza? Don't know. 
Don't care. <laughs> two seven. Three thirty two eastbound or something. Oh, something like that. I don't know. I just it just seemed like every shift I worked, somebody was having a heart attack there. <laughs> oh my. All right. Well that about wraps it up for here. It's time to cue the chickens. Uh, Larry, why don't you take us home? Yeah, here we go. Special thanks to uh Effort of Lodge six sixty five for yeah. Allowing us to continue to broadcast from the uh, downstairs. Also, too, to our uh, news director, Jack Harley. Welcome back. It's always good to have you here, buddy. And to our uh, producer, uh, Josh Lamberton. I will never give his real name out because he doesn't want that notoriety. Also, too, uh, to our director of employee loyalty program, Upton left us. Our Director of Ethics and Honesty, you lion sack. And our Director of Positive Reinforcement, a curt nod. That's all I have, guys. <laughs> I worked hard at this this afternoon, and I didn't get any response. It's the last damn time I'm doing this. No, it's not. No, so. it's not. No, not really. Say oh, goodnight, Gracie. Good night, folks. Good. Thanks for listening. Brother Mel Blank. Um, I'm stunned. Yeah. Um, good night, everybody. Say good night, stunned. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. What the hell is that? I worked hard on them, damn. <laughs> <laughs>